Well, hello there. My name is Jan Burt, and this is my podcast, The Burt Not Ernie Show, where we talk about God's promises and the hope those promises bring to our everyday lives. Whenever I meet somebody new, I introduce myself as Jan Burt and say, like Burt and Ernie, since it's easy to confuse my last name with a different one. And almost always, people smile when they think of Burt and Ernie. That got me thinking. I'm a Burt, and I'm not an Ernie. But how often do we live as if we're someone God never meant for us to be? Part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Hence the name, The Burt Not Ernie Show. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dig into God's promises. Hello there. Welcome back to episode 14 of the Burt Not Ernie show. I am pretty blessed to be able to talk about today's passage. I don't want to hem-haw around. We're going to dive right in. We're looking at the book of Proverbs, and these are really well-known verses. They are tried and true. I would say that not only do most Christians know these verses and probably just by heart, there are a lot of people who are not believers who have heard this. That's how well-known these two verses are. But I just want to say that even though these are well-known, you probably have heard these verses many times before. I don't want that to prevent you from getting something new or whatever blessing the Lord might have for you from these passages. So um, there's a lot here, and I hope you kind of slow down and just listen to what the Lord might say to you rather than kind of multitask or maybe do two different things. Let's just see what the Lord has for us in this. So uh, we're going to look at Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6, which even saying that you might be like, oh yeah, I totally know this passage. First, I'm going to read it from the Amplified. And I do have a good reason for that. There's just those extra words, that extra verbiage that gives that little bit more depth. But I'm also going to read it from the NIV and the ESV um, because I feel like the NIV is just you know, we all know stuff from the NIV and the ESV has kind of become the pastor's go-to and the Bible study girls version of choice, at least in the, the, I say Bible study girls because I'm a girl. So most of the studies I'm in are with girls. So um, I kind of feel like that's become sort of the standard, but it is really hard for me to memorize passages from the ESV for some reason. So I'm going to read it from the Amplified and I'm going to read kind of slowly because I have this memorized in another translation and I don't want to just recite it from memory. I want to read it all as the Amplified says it. So if I sound like I'm talking like a turtle, that's why. Okay, here we go. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 from the Amplified. Trust in and rely confidently on the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways, know and acknowledge and recognize him, and he will make your paths straight and smooth, removing obstacles that block your way. Okay, so the NIV says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. That is much more common for us that most of us who know this verse. And the ESV says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. See that last part that makes straight your paths. I would totally stumble over that and would have a really hard time memorizing it. Last year I memorized like, um, I don't know, like 30 verses. I think it was about 25 or 30 verses from the ESV. 
it was hard work. I had sticky notes all over the place and just had to keep reviewing them. So anyway, back to the amplified version. It has some extra words there that trust in and rely confidently on the Lord. Don't rely on your own insight or understanding. And then the second verse six, the second part in all your ways, know and acknowledge and recognize him. And then when it says he'll make your path straight and smooth, it adds that little extra bit that says removing obstacles that block your way. I totally love that. So in this passage, that verb trust, when you go back to the Hebrew language, um, it was best used when the word rely was added alongside it. So it's right there in the Amplified, trust in and rely confidently on. It's not always there in the other translations, but for, for the Hebrew, it would have been understood that to trust in God meant to rely on God. Whereas um, in America, that's not totally understood. We trust in the Lord and we kind of separate that out from relying or leaning fully and resting all of our weight and expectation and hope about any given situation solely and singularly on the Lord. We're not as good at that because their culture, culturally, they know that trust in the Lord meant rely on the Lord with all your heart, with everything you've got, and with great confidence. In our culture, it's very common to trust in something, but then rely on yourself. It's just the way things are in in westernized society, in American Christianity, um, we all have a little bit of humanism mixed in because it's just, number one, it's the nature of our flesh. And number two, that's how things are in America. We kind of have to keep going back and recognizing that and working against it so that we can come to a point where they're not separated out, where it's not, I trust in the Lord, but I've got to kind of rely on myself. No, I trust in and rely on the Lord. They mean the same thing. So my Bible, my study Bible has this little footnote down at the bottom about this passage. And I thought it was kind of interesting. So it says, and I quote, trusting God is a conscious dependence on God, much like relying on a tree for support. The command to acknowledge him means to observe him and get to know him in the process of living, end quote. Okay. I like that it says the command to acknowledge him because we can read that and it says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. And we think we understand what that means. But what if it doesn't always mean exactly what we think it means? What if rather than an option, like think about, um, you know, hey, do you want a coupon for your next purchase at the store? And you're like, I do. I want those shoes, but I don't want to pay full price. So you give them your phone number and they send you a text and then you use the coupon and then you opt out. You opted in to get what you wanted and then you opted out. That's kind of how we can approach this passage, but it's a command. And when it's a command, you don't have the option. There's no opting in and opting out. You just, it's obedience or disobedience. It's not an opt in, opt out. It's obey or disobey. Those are the only two options that you have when it's a commandment. So we're commanded to acknowledge him. And the other thing about this that is interesting is that um, I thought that was just Really, the phrasing there, trusting God is a conscious dependence on God, much like relying on a tree for support. Look, so I started thinking like, well, what does that mean to rely on God like like a tree? Uh, you might be outdoorsy. You might be a ruffian. You might be a climber. But this just did not ring any bells with me. I was like, 
uh, I mean, there was like nothing there, just nothing there. Nothing came to mind. It's like the, the movie back to the future. Nothing's coming to my mind. That is how I felt like, wait, what does that mean? Like relying on a tree for support. Like there was just no point of commonality. I was totally lost on this. I was a bookworm as a kid. I read voraciously. I was not a tree climbing kid. I just wasn't. And for a, a hunk of my childhood, we grew up in Arizona and there weren't a lot of trees. You couldn't touch a saguaro cactus. They are, um, they're not touchable. There are big fines and prison terms if you go chop down one of those things. So you don't touch them. Plus they're prickly. I mean, you know, you live there and you know how to, had to not get stuck, but you just didn't touch them because you didn't really feel like dealing with the consequences. And people were whoa, Nelly intense about taking care of their cacti. Trust me. So, um, and there weren't really any other trees, just like scrub brush kind of stuff. And sometimes these little Palo Verde trees, which are hilarious. What is a tree in the Tucson area, the Phoenix area is not a tree like in the Midwest. Trust me. You're it's they like the, the base of the tree could be as big around as your upper arm possibly. And that's a good size one. So there weren't really trees to climb in. I just didn't have that frame of reference, but I probably wouldn't have been climbing anyway. But if you are a person who was a tree climber, then, you know, I started, my wheels started turning. I thought, well, if you were some little boy who just loved to climb trees, maybe you had a pack of friends and it was one of your favorite things to do and you would climb as high as you could and you didn't want to get caught or yelled at. So you climb fast because you didn't want some panicky mom freaking out on you, which I'm a mom. I understand why you would panic. And then you get out on some limb and whoa, you have to depend on it because if it breaks, you're in serious trouble. That's kind of where I went to with it. So if you happen to be an actual outdoorsy climbing type of person who has climbed a lot of trees, you can let me know if I'm at all close to what it's like to rely on a tree. Um, But I also thought about this. I thought that, um, I thought that it might be like not easy to move, right? Like this, if, if the tree is alive, if it's well-rooted and it's not a scrawny sapling or a little Palo Verde tree or, you know, a big solid tree, then it could support me just fine. Thank you very much. It would totally hold. I would not be able to budget. I wouldn't be able to move it. My own strength would, you know, without some type of tools to help me, there's nothing I could do to the tree. It was not going anywhere. And that was a good reminder to me of what it's like to trust the Lord. I think trusting God means all those things. He's not going anywhere. He's not scrawny. I'm not going to budge him. I can move away from him, but I can't force him to move. He can support me just fine. Thank you very much. He will hold. That's what I came up with. So do you think that uh, if you look honestly at pieces and parts of your life, like maybe some places where you feel like you're really trusting God, right? Like, and I'm not, I hope I'm not being preachy here. I've done this myself with this verse already. So I'm just kind of sharing what the Lord has, uh, where he took me as I read through this verse. Look at a couple of things where you really feel like you're trusting the Lord. And here are some examples of what they might be. Maybe you finished college and you haven't got a job yet and your student loans are in that grace period and you are trusting the Lord. There's going to be money coming in before your loans come due. That's a good example of trusting the Lord. There might be, um, maybe you are not dating anyone and you want to be married and be um, a mother or a father, have children someday, and you're just trusting the Lord for the person 
and the timing and all that stuff. Those are, that's another good example. It could be uh, maybe you've been battling an illness for quite some time and it's really just been like, Ooh, you know, my daughter had double pneumonia for, uh, well, a couple of months she was dealing with that and that impacted her way of living. And she was trusting the Lord to bring her through to a place where that wasn't the issue anymore. So those are some examples, but I want you to kind of pause for a couple of seconds and just think of one or two places where you can say, yeah, yeah, I'm really trusting the Lord with this. It could be a big thing or a small thing. It totally doesn't matter. Um, I could do like some, uh, if I were super musically inclined. I could do something like, you know, during prayer time, sometimes the guitarist has the background music going really quietly, the worship leader while you, while you pray or whatever. Um, I could do that, but I just want to give you a second. Just think about a second or two, come up with something. What do you got? Okay. I'm going to assume you got a couple of things in mind. Now, Can you take out the words trusting God when you think about those situations? I'm trusting God for blank. Take out trusting God and replace them with depending on God. I am trusting God for. I am trusting God to swap it out. I am depending on God for. I am depending on God to. Okay, I know I'm kind of mean. That's kind of mean to do, isn't it? But that's just how... Um, that's how my mind works. I'm sorry. It's mean. I know, but you know what they say? It only gets real where the rubber meets the road. And that's true. That's true. Uh, it's, it's not about the pudding. It's about the tasting of the pudding, right? That's what the proof is in the pudding means. It's, it means the proof is in the pudding. It's in the tasting. I will eat it and I'll know if this is good or if it's garbage until then. I don't know. It can look really good and it can be horrible right? Somebody could have, there could be this baked good in front of you. They think that's going to be good. And somebody could have inadvertently put in salt instead of sugar, and it's not going to be good. It's in the tasting. It's in the rubber meeting the road. So trusting God swapped out for depending on God is like you lean solely on him. You're just leaning on him. You have no other backup plan and there is no crutch because some people think that Christianity is a crutch. It absolutely is is not a crutch. It is one of the most daredevil ways to live that is an option available to all of mankind. I mean, the risks are massive. Like you have faith risks every day. It's just, and I'm not talking about, um, is it real or is it not real kind of risk? Oh, Jesus is real. Trust me. Jesus is real. I know who I was. And then when I prayed and gave my life to Jesus, uh, I literally in an instant became a totally different person, did a complete 180, the way that I thought about things that I had been diehard, stubborn in my beliefs. I mean, that you would never have convinced me I would change my mind. They changed instantly. I turned on a dime. So I'm not talking about um, it's risky like that. It's not. It's not. If, if you know what I know about the Lord, if you've had an experience like I've had with the Lord, you know what I'm saying. It's not risky like that. Here's where the risk is. Trusting him grows you. It stretches you. It does not always feel safe or comfortable. It is really an adventure. And the greatest adventures in life are the ones that are the riskiest, right? I mean, we, uh, maybe we watched free solo recently. Yeah. Hello. Seriously. Amazing adventure. Seriously risky, like crazy risky. So, okay. So having said that, I want to tell you that, that just go back to that again. If you can really swap out, trust God for depending on God, that is tremendous. 
Now, if you have your situation and you can swap those out and you're like, oh yeah, they're totally the same thing. I love that. I love that. I want that for everybody. I want our trust in the Lord to be totally depending and relying on him completely. But if you can't truly swap out those two phrases, then, um, wow, then there's a new level of trust that the Lord really wants to grow you in. And I know he does. It's in his word, not for no good reason. It's in his word for your benefit. He wants you to trust him more, to depend on him and rely on him more in that area. So this one can smart. I know, believe me, you, I know this can be like a bitter pill for some of us, but but anywhere that I can't swap out depending on and relying on for trusting, I've got a problem right there at that exact spot. But good news, like a spoiler alert, all my problems are solvable through Jesus. So I have a problem, but it is solvable through Jesus. It's never hopeless. The footnotes in my Bible also said that to acknowledge him means to observe him, to get to know him in this thing called life, right smack dab in the thick of it. Uh, That kind of can strike a little bit of a nerve. I mean, don't we feel like acknowledging God means we don't deny him, right? Like, I mean, that's what I used to think. Acknowledging God means I'm not denying him. I'm not hiding the fact that I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm not pretending to not be a Christian because of whatever, you know, group setting I'm in or it's uncomfortable at work or on the college campus. That means I'm the odd duck out. I thought that that's what acknowledging him meant, that I acknowledge him, that I don't ignore his word. When I make decisions, um, I consult his word, I pray about it. I'm totally good with people knowing that I'm a little different, that I follow Jesus and I really do believe that the word of God is infallible, um, that I'm different because of the Lord. That's acknowledging him, right? Well, I mean, it is in one sense, absolutely, but there's more. That's what this is telling us there's more. It's like, surprise, surprise, there's more to it. And isn't, isn't our walk with the Lord just like that? I mean, it's, it's never boring. It's never dull. And there's always more to discover about our God because he's just, um, he's magnificent and there is no end to him because there's no beginning for him. And so there's the depths of our understanding of him. We should continue to plumb the depths and get to know him better and better and not be surprised when it's like, oh, wow, here's something really cool and really new that I did not know about the Lord. So to observe him, to get to know him in the process of living. How good are you at observing God? That is, uh, that's, that's no big deal, right? That's not a whopper of a question to think about. Not at all. No, like, uh, yeah, seriously, observing God, that seems a little bit over the top and overwhelming. That's a tall order. Do you, do you watch how he does what he does? Are you paying attention to how God does what God does? Or are you kind of like, I have been so much of the time, you just kind of want to see the end result, hopefully a positive end result, but you're watching for that. I've, um, that is seriously, I'm not exaggerating when I say most of my life as a believer has been lived in that camp, like watching for the end result rather than observing God in the midst of it. So I'm not super proud of that. It's an area where I've had to grow, but that's just the honest truth that wanting a positive end result could be what I was looking for so much that I was not watching how God was doing what he was doing through the circumstance. 
listen, a key part of having my path made straight and my way smoothed out, if a key part of that is observing the Lord, getting to know him better and better, as in really knowing him so well that I can see his ways taking place all around me, even when I can't seem to find him in a situation. If, if that's what it means to observe him right in the process of living my daily life, I got to be after that. I just got to be about that. This verse is such a great reminder that our God is personal and relational and loving and dialed in, dialed in. He so much wants a relationship with each of us individually that he even puts this amazing conditional promise in his word. It's really pretty cool. So don't, uh, if you're not enough, dial back in here for a second, because this is really awesome. He's not a far off little tiny baby G God. He's a real, he is the one true God. He's the only God. He's very much involved in our lives. And obviously, based on what's here in this passage, God puts a very high priority, like a premium status on us knowing him, not just on him knowing us, not just on him knowing us, on us knowing him. So I'm going to say it once more because, you know, somebody didn't hear me. God puts a high premium of the highest value on us knowing him well. Can you even imagine that? This is massive. This is a big deal. God being this much of a lover of mankind that he will offer us this life-changing promise, and it is life-changing, but in order to have the promise prove true for us, we just have to get to know him better. Not him know us, not he knows all my ways, he does, not only um, him dialing into me and the me, me, me focus. Listen, you get to know him. God is inviting you to get to know him. That is an amazing, amazing concept that is just not true of um, any other God, little g God. Think of gods of other religions. Think of people who have maybe founded certain types of religious movements. Can you imagine them saying, I want you to know everything there is to know about me? Or can you imagine them having some areas of their life pretty walled off and hidden because they were not living up to what they were projecting? that their inner life was maybe a lot different than their external life. That's true for all of us. We're not perfect. We are so far from it. But God is so perfect. He really is saying, yep, I want to know you, but I need you to know me. I want you to know me. I want you to observe me and know my way so well that even when you can't find me in a situation, you still won't miss me in that situation. So um, there's, there's no other option that's like this. Who would make a deal like this to want to be so fully known by his people? Worshipped? Yes. Sacrifice to and for? Absolutely. The, the bowing down and the serving? Yeah, you're going to find that in every religion. Every religious leader, every founder of every religion wants to be worshipped, wants to be sacrificed to and sacrificed for, wants to be bowed down to and served. Yep. And our God deserves it. And we've got to give those things to him. But he ups the ante. He says, hey, come and know me better. Every aspect of who I am. Observe me as you live moment by moment. If you'll just see me there in all of it. And then that's when we get the promise. So just by knowing him better, we end up receiving this. Okay, here it is. Here's what we get. You ready? He will. And remember, will means will. 
Like if you have a chance, open up your Bible to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 and double underline everywhere you see the word will here in this passage. He promises that he will make your path straight and smooth and will literally and figuratively in the physical realm and in the spiritual realm, he will move obstacles out of the way. Wow, that's awesome. This is so awesome. So please, please note that it does not say that you have any role in the making of the straight paths. Okay, that's important to note too. It says he's going to make the path straight. It doesn't mean you say, "Uh, I'm going to go ahead and help somehow. Just let him do it. He's good at it. He has a good plan for it. And plus, it's his promise. He really wants to show you how much he loves you by making your path straight. So let him do it. Give it. Sometimes we don't give God the opportunity because we just grab hold of things and we get our hands all over it. And he misses out on the opportunity. Well, we miss out on the opportunity of seeing how God wants to straighten out our paths and remove obstacles for us. So hands off, no touchy. Your role is to trust in him and to rely on him, to observe him, to really get to know him to stop relying on your own insight or your own understanding. And the promises, it's all really good. Like this is good stuff. So you get the good stuff of trusting him more. You get the good stuff of recognizing him more. You get the good stuff of not feeling like you have to depend on your own insight to get out of a fix that you're in. This stuff encompasses your entire life from right now in this moment until you draw your very last breath. And the route to receiving this massive blessing is it's really not difficult. That's the beauty of it. It's not difficult at all. It's a privilege. Guys, it's a serious privilege and a blessing and an honor. We're privileged to observe God and to know him more. It's amazing. Think of who this God is. Think of what you know from, oh my goodness, whether it's Isaiah saying, uh, I I couldn't even speak, or John, when we read Revelation, I fell face down. I couldn't even stand up. This same God who's so, um, his, his presence is so big that, you know, when Moses looked like he would go up on the mountain and spend time with God and he would come down and he would kind of glow. He looked like he had a little bit of an afterglow. The people were so freaked out. They're like, cover up your face and go away from us because we cannot handle it. That's, you know, read Ezekiel when he's talking about the throne room of God. That's who God is. And that exact same God says, come get to know me observe me. Come get to know me. I welcome you in. I want you so close to me that I want you to get to know me. That's amazing. What a privilege is that? This isn't, this isn't demanding. This is a privilege. This is profound. It's amazing. It's like, this is a win, win for you all day long. Okay. So sorry, I got kind of a little or even a lot excited about this. I apologize if that was too much, but I mean, I could be a whole lot extra all the time, but when it comes to God's word and God's promises, I guess I'm just going to probably keep on being a little too much and a whole lot extra. So Lord bless you. Thanks for being here for episode number uh, 14. And I really hope that you apply this to your walking around everyday life and that you start applying it like right, right now. Don't wait until later. I'm so glad you joined me for this episode of the Burt Not Ernie Show. It's an honor and a blessing to talk about God's promises with you. Have a fabulous day. And remember, part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Lord bless. I'll see you next time.